Welcome to the UK Hospitality Podcast. Today I'm sat with Kate, UK Hospitality CEO, and Tony, our Strategic Affairs Director. Um, we're going to be discussing the budget today, what we expect, what UK Hospitality has been up to, and the lead up to the budget. So hello to you both. Hi. Afternoon. So it's a day before the budget. How are we feeling? Well, I think it's quite clear that this is going to be a really difficult budget. Um, We've had an awful lot of leaks and pre-briefs and announcements from the government already, which showed just how tough the situation is going to be. So I think we're probably pessimistic, not 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 optimistic of, of major asks being granted in this, this budget round um, and more challenging environments for, for the industry to face as we, we sort of head into some really big headwinds, cost price inflation, uh, wage rate inflation with the announcements of national living wage and big tax hikes on the horizon. So, um, I mean, you might be more optimistic than me, Tony, but I'm feeling sort of on the gloomier side um, and uh, a bit trepidatious. No, I, I think that's right. Um, but there are, you know, to I suppose mitigate part of that expectation management, this is unusual in so much as we've got a budget at the same time as a comprehensive spending mm. review. So you know there is going to be a split around that, and I think that where we are, firstly in the economic cycle and coming out of COVID, but also with uh, I guess the Chancellor's eye and the Prime Minister's eye on electioneering, and I know it seems like a long way off, but it never is that far off. Um, I think that probably, yes, it will be very much balanced towards the comprehensive spending review side of things in terms of the, the big weight um, of, 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 the, um, of the announcements. But, you know, there's, uh, there's still some reasons, I think, to be cheerful uh, or, or hopeful for the budget, not least, you know, alcohol duty, perhaps, that's been, that's been touted. So we'll, we'll wait and see. But I think that those big asks... We've already seen leaked, which was never used to be done. Uh, <laughs> Although it is more common to, to see spending announcements trailed and tax yeah, as to yeah. be the sacrosanct one. I think that's what's causing my nervousness, really, is that mm-hmm. we've seen big announcements on spending. This is still a, a big state, high spending government um, as we go into this, particularly around high wages, high growth, high productivity, putting into to action uh, that, that Prime Ministerial mantra. We, we've seen that announcement. We've also seen the levelling up announcements around uh, rail and road and canal, bizarrely, infrastructure coming through. So we, we can see what's happening infrastructure-wise. A lot of big spending. How are we going to pay for it? Um, that's the bit that I think we're waiting to see uh, t- tomorrow. Uh, and that's the bit, of course, which has a big price tag for, for industry. And I think what you're seeing from this government over the party conference season and afterwards is that a gradual pushing back, that it is the responsibility of business to deliver on some of these key areas. Um, and I can see a big price tag looming. That's not to say we, we mm. won't won't get anything uh, but I think it's going to be quite challenging so so the big areas we've focused on we know VAT is a six-month campaign that's going to be looked at again in the spring budget but over and above that what we've focused on is, is three key areas that are of challenge to the to the businesses it's all about those cost headwinds that price inflation that's being built in and the inflationary pressures that are building towards next April combined with tax increases so it's around business rates we know root and branch reforms put off they've been categorical and announced that yesterday there's no big reform in this budget the reforming chancellor probably coming through later on and, and let's not forget Sunak sees himself in Lawson Nigel Lawson's mold as a sort of tax reformer 
But sticking plaster on business rates is definitely needed to get the industry through the cliff edge. So we wait to see about that. And we've been pushing really hard with MPs. As you said, Tony, there's the, the sort of differential duty. Can we have a lower rate of tax to, to stimulate consumption in premises in a responsible environment? And then the people challenge with hikes in NICs, 6.6% increases in living wage. What can we do around employment allowance? What can we do around uh, in incentivizing investment in training that eases the pressure on wages and more importantly the supply chain pressure and the labour market pressures that we're all seeing as a result of changes on immigration and the sort of COVID, that, that battle for talent, that battle for people, um, those are the three main areas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what, what are you expecting to see on, on that duty? I mean the, the, there's been some kite flying by government and talk about keg taxes, yeah. what do we think we might get? Uh, in terms of figures, I just don't know, but I think that is going to be the that is it, it will be something on draft, uh, presumably. Um, so large pack. Yeah, large pack. I think and and, and long overdue. I mean, the, it's been you know historically pretty stagnant in terms of reform in that sort of area. So we ought to you know count our blessings there. But um, I you know there's a few different rumours coming out. I suppose it's just a matter of waiting and see. And, and overall tax simplification as well was a big signal. I think the, yeah. the excise duty regime review and a sort of simplification not just on beer but all alcohol duties, um, signalling again that, that appetite to be a reforming Chancellor and take that forward. I mean, that, that, if, if that comes off, if, if, that, if what we see trailed comes through, you see that simplification, you see the sort of boost for innovation, for English product, for Welsh wine, um, for sparkling, which uh, I had declare a personal interest in, um, anything that makes sparkling cheaper to consume, I'm all for, um, you know, that might hold us in good stead uh, and give a signal for how radical they're prepared to be on business rates. Yeah, but potentially, I think you're right in terms of the, those areas where we'll see some long-awaited um, changes and probably be packaged up at least uh, verbally or rhetorically as, as part of the Brexit freedoms in terms of you know, bringing to the fore our local produce, well, I guess it's true, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, yeah. it is the, the first big Brexit dividend we could see, yeah. the 12.5% VAT rate, the other big one that you couldn't have done before Brexit. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's, that's absolutely right, yeah. And you wrote to the Chancellor recently, together with a load of our members, I think it was over 200 hospitality businesses. What did you put in that letter and what was the purpose uh, for sending that to the Chancellor? I think the purpose of doing that is that sort of weight of numbers. When the Chancellor sits down to do budget planning, and depending on the type of Chancellor they are, they can often start the day after they've delivered the budget, they start looking at the next one. Um, the, this Sunak hasn't had that opportunity or luxury really in recent years because he's done 14 major emergency financial statements. So it's really, um, when they start doing that process, it's who is in the room, who is in the economy, who are the interest groups that have a real cause for concern that needs to be addressed in some way, shape or form. And that's why those letters are so important because it's got the weight of business um, and numbers behind it, both in terms of value to the economy, employment that they represent and the contribution they can make to the recovery. So it's two key big things that we put in that letter. We, we, we set out the very real challenges the industry still faces as we come out of this, the fact that we haven't got through COVID recovery, we're needing to build back resilience and the industry is still in a fragile state. So it set out that sort of toxic cocktail of, of rising costs, 
uh, labour shortages, inflationary pressures, tax increases, and the fact that, that the, the two big things that had given us headroom and breathing space to navigate that were business rate support and VAT. So it was a real message to, to the Chancellor. Tapping into what we know are very real Treasury concerns. They're less of a concern in number 10, but the Treasury is really preoccupied with inflation. So it was a, a real point about please don't make this any worse by increasing our taxes in April next year when we know we're going to see inflationary pressures in, in the hospitality supply chain, meaning that costs are going to have to go up. Businesses are likely to put up um, prices to, to customers. Three quarters of our members saying they were having to put a price increase through to consumers before Christmas, likely to be after Christmas as well. So please don't make inflation worse by putting up taxes. So it was a real focus on extend business rates relief and we need it to at least be a third, better still, half, 50% rate relief uh, for those businesses still badly affected by COVID. And then, of course, retaining that lower rate of VAT, really quite critical. I think in, just to add a, an important, but perhaps obvious, but strategic element to that, um, it was also about strengthening that platform from which we're going to carry on the campaigns on those issues yes. into the next budget because we need to reach a crescendo before you know March of next year because that's when you know the beginning of April is when um, for example the VOT is expected to go back up to 20 and it's going to happen at a really cliff, potentially cliff edge time for the sector so yeah because that's when energy prices are going to really feed through in, business, in the yeah. sector uh, as well as living wage and, yeah. and NIC so so it is really that perfect storm yeah so it's really about keeping that drumbeat going as, as much as anything else and showing when we get to that point that the you know th this wasn't a, a, a passing whim of ours this is an absolutely necessary crucial really vital thing for the the existence of a lot of the uh, a lot of the businesses in the sector that are employing you know so many people around the country so in a sense it was really the start of of what will be six months work oh, on, yeah. on these two issues business rates and vat um as we go further forward and i think inflation is going to be the key issue that that comes to the fore um, politically, but also in the sector. If you've got inflationary pressures, our inflation is currently running at 5%, passed through to consumers. The national is, is 3%, so you can see that we're already ahead of that curve. The reason that the Treasury is obviously looking at it in great detail is that if you get inflation ticking upwards, how temporary will that be? They were originally thinking three months. It's now looking likely to be six months, could potentially be longer if our inflationary pressures push through in, in beyond April. Um, and that feeds through into interest rates. And, and once that happens, you need billions of extra pounds just to service the national debt and all of our debts become much less sustainable. So I think that, that as we go further forward into the new year, debt will become a key preoccupation for everybody as a metric. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see tomorrow what the, the state of the nation is that, that Sunak unveils, because that's the other part of a budget is to give the economic statements, the economic forecasts, how much of a burden does that debt look as though it will be? How much growth is there in the economy to grow our way out of this? And how much room to manoeuvre does he then buy for himself in 2022, 2023? And as Tony says, that, that's going into general election territory. Um, and you, you would have to hope that they are giving some of the pain now, feeding some of that pain through in order to have some better news to go forward with with the general election. In, yeah, I think in vague terms today, the briefings coming out of number 11 uh, are definitely that you know, we can expect some good news in long-term forecasting. I mean, you would expect that. Um, but then I, I think that's, you know, to come out with that when he's already been, the chance has already been rebuked by 
the speaker, for example, um, I, I don't think he's messing about. I think he'll have some, at least, uh, you know, in his eyes, some some positives to to give. Yeah, yeah. I think the big thing is is tax, economic forecasts, tax, um, and I think it would be also good to get a signal of, of you know which way is the economy going because at the moment you do have a little divergence between number 10 and number 11 on these two key points. Number number 11 more preoccupied by successfully coming out of COVID measured by jobs. Number 10 successfully measured by wages even if that means you've got fewer jobs. Um, and, and then I think as I say number 11 much more concerned about inflation, paying down the debt, sorting out the roof while the sun's shining a little bit even though it's sort of not really a very um, clear sustained weather forecast um, versus number 10 and actually people like Liz Truss talking about you know growing our way out of this pay spend now don't worry about it growth will take care of it and being a little bit more boosterish yeah there are some inbuilt and unavoidable massive risks that the Chancellor is forced to take tomorrow or the government more widely actually because if we looked at today's you know figures about the the potential costs of uh, plan B um, yeah, 18 you know, billion. 18 billion. That is no small amount that you're looking at, um, you know, between now and pretty much the next budget statement. Yeah, because that plan B yeah. was looking at five months, wasn't yeah, it? I mean, it was, exactly. it was work from home for five months. That's a long time to put the economy back on, on ice. It's a nightmare of proportions. <laughs> and, and I think the other point as well, which won't come up at all in, in the budget discussions, but when you're looking at this room for manoeuvre and how do you square circles, both as Chancellor, as the government, as business, as the whole economy, one of your key levers for managing that, navigating that, is taken out of your control because it's movement of labour, it's availability of labour. Even if you had free movement, yeah. you would still have restrictions with travel as we're seeing across the globe. Um, but we've actually put the freeze on that. So, so one of the, the routes through that you could help to navigate um, is just not there. So the, the government is in danger. You're, you're right, talking about the, the risks that they're taking, the gambles they're taking. Having to um, take. Well, yeah, having to take. And I think the big one is, you know, not genuinely not knowing. Is this yeah. temporal and temporary or is this structural, these issues with yeah. the labour market, these issues with inflation, these issues with supply chain, these issues with costs? It's a big gamble to take. Um, but at the moment, there are a lot of red lines of, of things that they won't do. Yeah. Now, once we've heard from the Chancellor tomorrow and the budget's been delivered, what are our next steps? What does, what's the UK hospitality planning to do following those announcements? Well, there's a big deep dive that we need to do to the wealth of data that gets published alongside it. There's the speech, but then there's the red book that comes out, which has a lot of the details. So often we have to respond immediately to something that is said, and it's only when you get into the detail that you realise either that the positive that you thought was there isn't and it's been a bit of a mirage or there's a better announcement than you were expecting so there'll be a, a big way through to be able to identify that and then it will be back immediately to, to giving that response so immediately after the budget I will have the, the first real meeting of the Hospitality Sector Council that afternoon at about 4.30 where you'll be giving an immediate response as to what what's, what, what does that do and what, what do we need to do next and I'm chairing the working group within the Hospitality Sector Council looking at that, at that immediate 100, 200 days post the budget 
leading up to the next one, what do we need to have in place to secure hospitality's recovery before we can look at building back resilience? And then you'll be on the, 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 the communication. And, and Yeah, we'll be getting a member briefing out, a media comment out, etc. But also this is a good opportunity to mention, of course, the webinar we're having on Friday morning. Um, so please go to the website and uh, register for that. That's pretty much just setting out um, what was that in the budget and the implications for hospitality. So do please register for that as well. And also communicating back to the MPs. I mean, that, that's oh, yeah. what a lot of our, we've now got about 150, 200 really supportive, engaged MPs through the tourism and hospitality all-party group, through the beer group, through the pub group, um, that they'll want to know what our reaction is. Does this go far enough? What are our residual concerns? What's the impact of all of the announcements taken as a whole when we look to hospitality in the April? We've got, yeah, we'll have a, a, a lot of over the next, well, obviously over the next six months, but um, as we always do, but in the next few weeks, especially when there's a finance bill being uh, debated, we'll have a lot of um, briefings going to MPs and um, and uh, you know, making the case. So tomorrow is the beginning yeah. rather than the end of a process and so it goes on again. It's like painting the fourth road bridge. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And I think that's probably all we have time for today. Certainly there's a lot to uh, to look at tomorrow there. Is there any final thoughts you have? What, what, would, you, what would be the best case you think would happen tomorrow? I think the best case is an acknowledgement of the challenging circumstances that the hospitality sector is still facing um, and the need for caution as we move forward. And I think best case is that we get some indications of future reform, future support, um, an extension of, of some form of business rate relief, uh, some reform on excise duties uh, and perhaps a signal to, to look ahead and look again at those bigger macro issues, VAT, business taxes. Um, corporation tax, all of those issues in the round and the labour supply challenges as we come out into April next year. Yeah, I think uh, that, that's absolutely right. I think that some timescales will be good actually on some of these things about, you know, especially with uh, yet another delay on VAT, um, you know, some sort of explanation around that and, and some sort of expectation of, of when we might see some detail or at least the start of a meaningful process. Um, yes. Over and above just sort of a, a very, very broad consultation, which we've had yeah. so far. I, I think seeing that, to coin a George Osborne phrase, I'd like to see a long-term economic plan starting yeah. to emerge as we come out of COVID. Um, there's been very good reasons why we haven't that, but the industry and the business and the investment community needs to see that longer-term plan of, of where this government is going and, and what nature and shape this government is. And it's crucial to the to the deliverability of the of the different strategic recovery plans. Hospitality, tourism, high streets, you know, they all need that as a basis upon which to plan and to make their you know recommendations. Yeah, and, and that gives us this is a three year spending settlement. So it, it will give the basis for the departments to know what they can do, things like Visit Britain, what they can do to stimulate international demand. That should start the process of us being able to understand that that longer term process. Thank you. So, fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed and hopefully some good news from the Chancellor tomorrow. Thank you Tony, thank you Kate, and we'll catch up with you again next week. Thanks. Thanks.